Hello and welcome to Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast featuring feminist thriller writers in conversation about women who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Lane Fargo, and today I am joined by a special guest, Heather Levy. Heather is a born and bred Oklahoman, um, a novelist who loves exploring the darker side of humanity. You know, we love that around here. Walking Through Needles is her debut novel. It was a 2019 pitch war selection selected by me and Hallie Sutton, in fact, and it will be published in June by Polis Books. Um, actually, by the time this airs, it will be out. So welcome, Heather. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. So excited to have you. I've been planning and plotting this ever since I picked you for Pitch Wars because like your book is full of amazing, unlikable female characters and we're going to talk about all of them. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, well, yeah, let's just kick off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Walking Through Needles? Can I just read the inside jacket? Will that be good? Can we do that? Okay. I am horrible at this kind of thing. Um, Yeah. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to read the inside jacket and I'll let you know this is, this is up your alley. Okay. So from an early age, Sam Mayfair knew she was different. Like any young girl, she developed infatuations and lust, but her desires were always tinged with darkness. Then when Sam was 16, her life was shattered by an abuser close to her. And she made one shocking decision whose ramifications would reverberate throughout her life. Now, 15 years later, Sam learns that her abuser has been murdered. The death of the man who plagued her dreams for years should have put an end to the torture she's endured. But when her stepbrother, Eric, becomes the prime suspect, Sam is flung back into the hell of her rural Oklahoma childhood. As Sam tries to help exonerate Eric, she must hide terrifying truths of their past from investigators. Yet, as details of the murder unravel, Sam quickly learns that some people, including herself, will do anything to keep their secrets buried deep. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I want to be one of those people who can just quickly um, throw out the elevator pitch. And I've been horrible about that. Um, and I think once you read this book, then you kind of like know why that's difficult to do. It is. It's a hard book <laughs> to summarize, I would say. Um, although I love that there are a couple phrases in there that are from your Pitch Wars pitch, I remember. It is, I'm so glad yes. they made the cover copy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Like, I mean, yeah, you guys are great. So like, <laughs> helped with organizing all those thoughts. So. Yeah, it's um, it's a very, very dark book, I will say. That was what attracted us yes. to it in the first place, I think. Like, we got a lot of great submissions, but we were reading yours, and we were just like, this is so fucked up. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> and and that is and that is why I submitted. Yeah, that's, yeah. Why, that's one of the reasons why I submitted, because they were, you know, you, for Pitch Wars, you can submit to four uh, mentors or, or mentor groups. And you and, like, the three other people that I submitted to were – literally the only ones who are looking for darker themes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, But, and like in my heart, I was like, as soon as I I read uh, the page for you guys, I was like, I, I want to work with them. And that's why it was so terrifying whenever I saw you guys at at VoucherCon and uh, whenever we were in Dallas, right before the pandemic. And I'm like, holy shit, there they are. I had to... (laughs) Yeah, I was like fangirling and, and like, oh my god! I have to tell yeah. you a story about that that I wasn't planning to tell, but I think it's funny. Um, <laughs> so I saw you at VoucherCon in some panel. You were sitting a few rows ahead of me, and I noticed your hair because you have like this incredible bright. I think it was was it red or pink then? I don't know. It was like really bright. It still. was still. It was probably still. Yeah, it was still pink then. It was like yeah, a fuchsia. It was fuchsia. Okay, and I noticed you, and I was like. 
I thought you were really hot. I'm just going to be honest. I was like, oh my God, she's so hot. And then I was out um, with Kristen to lunch and I got a text from Hallie, my co-mentor. And she was like, Heather's here. Cause we'd already picked you, but it was still a secret then. Um, she was like, Heather's here. And I was like, oh my God, really? Like, where did you see her? And she described you. And I was like, oh no, I just like checked out my future. <laughs> I felt bad, but you know. <laughs> I did not know this. Is that <laughs> We're just confessing here. <laughs> I mean, I know you guys can't see this out here, but my my face is about to break from smiling right now. So. <laughs> I was like, is this how these like creepy old men feel? And then I was like, no, because I feel guilty and they don't feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to be guilty about, you know, and, and I will say, because you, you and Holly are, are, are both stunning and, and I was... <laughs> And, and you're amazing writer. So it was like double, like, oh my God, what, how, <laughs> how am I going to work with them and, and not fall all over myself? <laughs> so we were that whole time at BoucherCon, cause we told you, we told you early, like before the announcement went up, cause we were like, yes. we have to, like, we're all here. We have to just tell her, but we were like seeing you from across the room and like whispering to each other, like, how are we going to tell her? Like, when should we, should we do it at the bar? I don't know. It just, it was really fun. It was just. <laughs> It was like a just a, such a fun experience because usually you do just get to tell people on Twitter or whatever, and to get to tell you in person was such a treat. And to oh, get to talk to you about the book yeah. and our vision for it, and yeah, it was so great. I was so nervous meet, meeting you guys in the bar that day. Whenever uh, you know, Holly was like, "Why don't you meet us at the bar later, and you can meet Lane?" And <laughs> <laughs> you're all scheming. And then I walk up to, and I think I think uh, Elizabeth Little was sitting down with you, and maybe Kelly Garrett too was there. Yeah. Um, I kind of had an out of body experience, and I remember you saying something like, "We were just talking about your book," and I'm like, <laughs> "We uh, were." <laughs> let me just down this drink really fast. <laughs> I, w- I like I was shaking, I was screaming inside um, because, I, yeah, I was hoping against hope that that I would be your mentee. So. <laughs> It was all worked out. And now your book is coming out. It was in the LA Times. It's so exciting to see all the press around this book because it is like when we were working on it with you, Hallie and I had a lot of conversations about like, we just love your book so much. It's so dark though. It's like very dark and fucked up and it's not for everyone, which is fine. I don't think books should be for everyone, but we were just like, oh, we hope there'll be like an agent and a publisher and then like a readership that will really embrace this because it's so brilliant, but it is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it is fucked up. Yes. And so every, every time, uh, like, uh, oh God. And it's so terrifying too, thinking about all the people who have pre-ordered who I like uh, their friends and, you know, even family members. And I'm thinking, holy shit, like, <laughs> I don't know what they're going to think or how they'll look at me afterwards, but you know, I always tell people, I'm like, Hey, you kind of have to separate the art. Right. (laughs) I remember when temper came out, my mom was like, Oh, my friend from church ordered a copy. And I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) yes. Don't read it. Thank you for buying it, but please don't. (laughs) Like my kids, like elementary school teachers. Like, like what, what a, like one friend who I, who's like really religious and, and my hygienist, my hygienist, like my dental, actually my whole, the whole dental office, they're so nice. They're like super, super, super Christian. Like there's like, you know, music playing in the background and they like started spreading the news about my book and I'm like, oh, they're not going to let me come back here. <laughs> 
when you write stuff that's really dark and personal and then other people read it you feel like they've seen you naked it's yes. so vulnerable it just like I remember at my old job too there were some of my co-workers who were like oh I'm gonna read your book and I'm like oh my god like please don't uh, my, my my coworkers have no idea. Well, I, I will say my 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 uh, my day job. My boss does know, but I haven't said anything to her since. Like not at all. So as far as she knows, it's it's just the thought in the world. But yeah, I can't. But yeah, I know I should. Like, hey, every reader, like you need right. it. I want them to buy it. I want people I want to, them buy to buy it. it. Just, like, like, just don't read it. Buy it. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just don't read it. Just put it on your shelf. That's actually how my mother handles my work. She doesn't read it. She just buys copies. Or really? She, yeah, she doesn't read my books because she knows that she would be upset by them. And I'm like, that's fine. I would rather have you not read it and <laughs> just live in. Although sometimes I'm like, maybe what she's imagining is even worse than what is actually there. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. Cause I mean, like, is she, well, like, okay, obviously we're all hoping that everything happens and, and your book, the, the TV show like happens mm-hmm. uh, sooner rather than later. Cause I, like, as soon as I, I read the Neverland, and I was like, this, this has to be uh, like a series or something like we, this needs to be made right now. Cause it's so oh, cinematic, like how it's written. And so she, she wouldn't watch the show. Like, Definitely would she, would not. She, <laughs> oh God. No, <laughs> not her thing. Okay, not her thing. That's yeah. fine. We love and understand each other. It's totally fine. She reads like cozy mysteries with like cats and quilts and stuff, and that's great. I want. I really want to to read. I like. I I have read cozies and I do enjoy some cozies. Um, but I yeah. I wish. I wish I could enjoy less dark things, but I just <laughs> don't. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like sometimes I feel like I need a break from it. I don't know how you I read a lot of romance novels and like lighter things in my free time, but when it comes to writing, it's like whatever I'll have these ideas that I'm like, well, this one won't be as dark as my other ones, but then the longer I work on it, the more fucked up it gets until it's just like deeply fucked up and that's it. <laughs> yeah. We need we need the darkness in the world, right? To appreciate the light. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of how I look at it. But I do feel like whatever I write after this is like everybody's going to be comparing it to how dark this book is, how, how dark Walking Through Needles is. And I, I hope that I don't fall into that hole of the expectation that I'm going to have something really fucked up happen. I mean, it's probably likely, but not to the extent of this book, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, that pressure to top yourself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and intended. Um <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> nice segue there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, what is really so interesting about this book to me is like the main character is a masochist and and has been from the time she's pretty young, has like figured yes. this out about herself. But then she experiences the sexual assaults at the hands of her stepfather, and it's a very messy like we're seeing it from her point of view as a teenage girl and she feels real desire for him and that is like a lot of people are so uncomfortable with that because they're like oh it's it's rape and it's like of course it is but that doesn't mean that she as a young girl doesn't feel the way that she feels like he as the adult is the one who should not be doing this but she is entitled to her feelings and I thought that was I mean, you you just walk that line so well like uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about that a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I never set out to write a book kind of, you know, going so much into uh, sexual trauma. But I think as a you know person who identifies as female, and I think that 
like how many of us have experienced some kind of assault. Like it's, it's just kind of, I feel like it's almost in my blood. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's, it's hard not to, to write about it. Um, but to, I, I wanted, I wanted to approach masochism in a different way. Cause I, for one, I don't really see it too often at all in crime fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whenever I do, it's usually kind of, as a parody, like it's almost, yes. you know, okay, haha, you know, 50 shades. And that's not the world that I come from myself. Um, and I, I really, I wanted to show this character, my Sam, uh, who's my, my female protagonist. I really wanted to show someone who already had her sexuality, uh, established because that's how I feel felt in my life. I, I, I knew from a young age what I liked and did not like. And it was, it, it wasn't predicated uh, from some other trauma, or I, mm-hmm. I don't believe it was, but we also know that trauma is generational. So, you know, that is there. And I kind of wanted to leave that as an open question for the reader. Like why, how, why is she like this? And if people want to, you know, put her in that category, well, something must have happened. Uh, I mean, her father did leave her and her fa- her mom at a young age, so she kind of grew up without having that that father figure. And yes, okay, daddy issues. We all have them. We all have yeah. them. But but it, but it really wasn't about that. It was it was really just wanting to show someone's sexuality and how someone else who you know has nefarious intentions can take that and manipulate that. And it's not so, you know, sexual assault is not always black and white. There's, there are the gray areas and those are the areas that I don't feel are talked about enough at all. Like in in society, I mean, I certainly, my mom certainly wasn't telling me about, Hey, um, if a guy takes you out and you go have dinner and he's paying for everything, like he may pressure you for sex to pay, you know, quote unquote, pay for that. Mm-hmm. And, and th- th- yeah, so I, I think that that's, th- that was definitely something that I was thinking about as I was writing it, uh, just wanting to show the, the, the grayer side of, of sexuality and, and how assault can, can happen, um, and the kind of situation that she's in involving masochism. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah. it's really, it's not so much about the sex as it, I mean, there is obviously sexual assault involved with it. Uh, but it is really more about the power exchange. And that is the thing that, that I think is what's drawing her more than anything to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he really does. It's like, she already has this, um, these sexual desires and he uses them against her, mm. but then she also feels like, okay, he's the only person in her life who seems to understand yes. these things that she wants. And he's, he's using it against her, but she's, she's young and doesn't fully like, instead she's like, here's a person who understands me. It's just, it's so messy. It's like real life is. Yeah. And I think it's so important in crime fiction, especially to have these narratives of sexual assault or, I mean, any kind of car- crime really, but sexual assault is the main one where we, question the victim's behavior Mm. so much where it's like oh well she came on to him or she said she liked it or she you know it it just (sighs) Uh, and we want (laughs) women who are who are quote unquote victims to be these perfect pure angels in order to feel sympathy for them and that is such Mm. fucking bullshit like it's something that I think about a lot in my own work Um, like in temper there's not a sexual 
assault, but it is a, a case of victimization and abuse. And the main person who is is the victim is not a nice person. Like she's no. an asshole too, but she's still being abused. And then in They Never Learn, I tried to do a similar thing with um, Carly's friend, Allison, who's assaulted. I get so many mm-hmm. comments from readers where they're like, I just found it hard to connect with Allison and she was so unlikable and she uh, was like flirting with the guy who assaulted her. So me, and I'm just like, do you hear yourself seriously? right now? Like this is the <laughs> shit that like people say in these trials. And that's why these guys get like, yeah in jail like exactly an angel to be sympathetic like fuck that fuck that indeed yes I yeah I I I cannot stand that and I and I know that's gonna come up a lot with this book um I mean already I've you know I've seen some readers have have been very triggered um the thing that somebody asked me recently like what's the thing that you fear most about writing and I, you know, I know a lot of people who are like, well, I just, I fear people not reading it that I, I fear being misinterpreted, mm-hmm. um, on my intentions with, with what I'm writing. And my intention was never to harm anyone who has suffered from, you know, sexual assault. Uh, like that's the exact opposite of, of what I wanted. And so, yeah, whenever I, I did, I did kind of, you know, I saw some comments like, and I, and that's why I don't look at reviews anymore. <laughs> like I, I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed. I had to delete the Goodreads app uh, and all of that. Like I, my husband now filters everything for me, <laughs> but, but it, but it did, it, it kind of gave me a taste of what, um, what kind of questions I could be facing. Uh, yeah. Cause you know, anytime you're, you're writing about something like this, it's, you're, you know, pe- people are going to want to know why, what's the point? Um, don't you think that that's, you know, gratuitous? And I'm like, no, you know, I, I think, yes, I have read things that are very gratuitous. I won't name names, but yeah, I've read books where if I would have read that, that, that particular book, uh, first for that particular author, like I would not read anything of theirs again, but you know, Luckily, it was just like kind of a blip on the radar. And I'm sure that that, you know, the, those authors who have breached that ground before, they know like you're, you're going to get, you're going to get some heat. And so I, I fully, I fully expected that. Um, I, what I did not prepare for was how personal I was going to take it since it Mm. is involving my own sexuality too. Yeah. (laughs) Like I really did not expect that. Um. I should have, but I stupidly didn't. Uh, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's hard to talk about a character sexuality that you share and try to explain, uh, their motivations, which are very different from your own motivations with your sexuality. So, but yeah, I I think it was just, it's vital to show those different stories that people are going through because I know, I already know from, getting private messages that, that it resonated with people and, and, and not just women, but with men too, who have uh, been through, you know, their own trauma experiences and more than anything, like I, I look at the book, not so much from the standpoint of like the, the sexual assault and, and things that, that uh, um, are related to that. I, I really am looking at it from the, the point of like, here are here are these damaged people and they still are thriving like there's mm-hmm. they found a way they found a way to move forward 
and that's what that's the most important thing that their their resiliency carried them forward through this shit and and that's you know that's what I look at my own life <laughs> that, yeah I'm like I you know yeah <laughs> it's 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 hard yeah it's very different it would be a very different book I think if I were coming from a place where I will for one if I weren't a masochist myself and if I hadn't experienced trauma myself I I don't I wouldn't have written this book that's for yeah. damn sure because I don't think I I I don't think I, I could have approached it, the, I hope, in the sensitive way that I tried to. I think it would be a really different book, too, if it was just the story of Sam as a mm. teenage girl and yeah. going through this abuse from her stepfather. But the book also shows her as an adult when she's really come to terms more with her sexuality and and, mo- yeah. and moved on as best she can from this experience. And I think that's really powerful to see her at these different times in, in her life and how she's yeah. changed and she's still unapologetic about yeah. her sexuality. And yeah, I mean, and, and I, I, I always look at this book as a, as a love story when people ask me, they're like, well, how's it? Cause I, you know, we, we don't have control necessarily over how a book's going to get marketed. And, and I've, I was talking about this other day with someone, they're like, everything's a thriller nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we were, we, and then we kind of were like, yeah, you know, every book, in a way is a thriller if it's doing its job. Um, but I mean, I, I think we all kind of like, even people who write thrillers on a normal basis, like know that that's not just the only element of the story. I mean, yes, it's, it pro- propels things forward, but, um, I know I always looked at it as a love story. Um, you know, like lo- love of several characters. I mean, like the love of grandma Halen, who's one of my favorite characters that I've She's written. The best. She's the best. And like, like if she weren't in that book, I don't like, there are certain characters that needed to be there just so that I could get through it myself. Mm-hmm. So she was kind of like my buffer as I was my, she was my, my character buffer as I was writing things. And I was just thinking, okay, yeah, grandma Halen's with me. So. <laughs> yeah. And then Sam and her stepbrother um, have kind of a relationship in the past and then in the yeah. present. And that's like a very yes. complicated dynamic. That's well. a very complicated dynamic. Cause and and that, that, definitely goes into a lot of, um, you know, the people in your life, accepting you for who you are, uh, all the parts of you. Eric's like that. He's the vulnerable one. He, you know, he, he's, he's the one who is showing his heart on his sleeve at all times. And especially whenever, you know, it's, it's coming to the people that he loves, like, like, you know, his, his, uh, past with Sam and, and, the, you know, everything that's going on currently and Sam, she's just so, she's just a closed off person. Um, and I, I think that that happened even like, that was her personality even at a young age before all the things that happened mm-hmm. to her. And, you know, she, she kind of ha- has always had these walls around her and I, and I've, I definitely have had that experience in my life, uh, but I like I like uh, twisting that. Like I always I always love kind of changing the energies with with what you would typically expect with the character. So yeah, I, I hate using like masculine feminine energy, but that's like it's the best way to really kind of describe it. Just she kind of has that more masculine energy, and mm-hmm. he has that nurturing like you you know what you would expect of feminine energy. And, and I, and I, I like seeing vulnerable men. Um, 
I think that's, I think it's important to show vulnerable men. Not all men are fucking horrible, <laughs> but there are some, you know, yes, there, there's some horrible people in this book. And, and even Eric, you know, even he kind of, he makes some choices that are questionable, you know, given his, his, what he's experienced. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't want anybody to just be all good, all bad. Everybody makes horrible choices and, and I wanted to, to really leave it up to the reader to, uh, to kind of think about what, what traumas these people experienced even before you start getting into the story. Yeah. They're all very like morally gray for sure. Mm-hmm. But you do such a great job with Sam in particular, but also with Eric showing that, you know, there are these traumatic things that have happened to them. And there's also like who they are at their core. And Sam especially just really resists this idea that, she's this way whether her personality or her standoffishness or her sexuality whatever it's not because of the trauma that's just who she is and then the sexual assault is like another thing that happened in her life but it's not defining her and determining like why she is the way she is and that's yeah. I, I mean I love Sam you know this <laughs> yes I love Sam too <laughs> she's she's a strong ass woman yeah. and you know I she's she's just she's doing the best that she can and, and she's, you know, I think ultimately there is that part of her that, that, that wants to be loved. Um, but I think that she's just like a lot of us who have been through traumas, like you have to get to that point where you can accept that for yourself and not feel mm-hmm. guilty about it or feel like it's going to be tainted somehow. Like not everyone's going to hurt you. Not everyone is going to you know, add to that damage. And yeah. really you can grow together with the right person and heal. And mm-hmm. I mean, shit, that's happened to me. So <laughs> yeah. like, I know it can happen. So I wanted it to, I wanted to, you know, have that as a possibility for her. Like I want, I, I, I always love a story that has a kind of, and not, not a clean ending, you know, I, I, I want to see a question of hope but not necessarily everybody's jumping up and down and everything's great at the end of a, of a novel. Cause that's, that's life. You know, that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I can relate to. So I don't really relate to a lot of just clean, happy endings. <laughs> and yeah. Everybody gets married and they have 2.5 kids and the dog <laughs> and you know, that that's just not the reality that I've experienced. So, um, but great, great for the stories that exist for that. Cause that's, those are the books that I have to read to kind of cleanse my palate. <laughs> so oh, <I'm> like, same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We write all this dark stuff and then I read like romance novels, watch yes. rom-coms and everything just to kind of, yeah, you need that sometimes if it's not what you write. I don't know. I'm like, if I wrote romance novels, would I like listen to murder podcasts to unwind? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, perspective, kind of it kind of, get, yeah, it keeps you well-rounded, right? <laughs> so yeah, I, I read a lot of erotica too. Um, not necessarily that it's you know based in the BDSM world, uh, but there are there are some excellent excellent writers who uh, you know Tiffany Reeds was, was one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. You need that. You need that as a writer to have that that moment to step away. Like I, I you know I know people who write true crime and they get they're just sucked into that world all the time. I can't handle any of that stuff at all. Yeah. And I do find like when I'm writing darker things, like 
particularly with They Never Learn, writing um, the college-aged point of view, Carly, and, like, all of her anxiety mm. was really just stressful for me. I was just like, oh, my God, I used to feel this way all the time, and now I'm having <laughs> to get back in this headspace. And now I'm, well, I'm working on a couple things, but one of the projects I'm working on now, the main character has chronic pain, and that's, like, a big theme yes. in the story. And it has been so difficult for for me to engage with that book because it just is so personal and so like it makes me think about things that I don't want to think about but I feel really Mm. drawn to writing about I don't know if you have a similar experience yes I deal with chronic pain myself I was diagnosed with a moderate to severe RA oh gosh what was it like almost three years ago now I COVID has destroyed my idea of like what, what time means. So I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's three years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, like just, and, and when you come from having uh, masochism in your life and, and then having chronic pain, like it's, it's a whole, it's, it's a whole different level of, of trying to get your mindset to that place where you could even accept uh, that kind of pain on top of your daily pain. And, and yeah, I wrote about that a while back in Nailed magazine because I did go through like a real, like a, a period of time where I, you know, I just, my, I felt like I, I, I could not live my sexuality to the fullest, like a period because mm-hmm. of all the pain, my pain was just not well controlled at that time. And, and I've, and I've wanted to write about that for, for quite some time, but it took me a long time to get there. And I was thankful to like, like I shared it with you before, you know, ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of like, I was so nervous to, to share that. I don't know why I was more nervous to share that than I, than I was whenever I wrote an article several years ago, kind of coming out as a masochist and like, Hey, <laughs> here's my experience at this local dungeon. And you know, it's, it just felt different writing about the chronic pain and because it's, it's something that has limited me so much for such a long time. Like not, not only in my daily life, but every aspect of my life, writing like that, that was my biggest fear. And that's still always in the back of my mind that what if I get to the point where I, I can't physically do this. Um, and so I, I, and I've, and I've wanted to write it in a, in a fictionalized way. And I try to do that. Like, uh, I, you know, one of the characters that I'm writing, it's a, you know, a sister and she's, um, I, I really wanted her to kind of have that as another layer of the shit that she deals with because it, it does, it colors everything, mm-hmm. e- everything. But I just, I, I, like, I still haven't worked it out yet with that particular character. I did have, like, a little, like, a little taste of it with, um, uh, with the, with Walking Through Needles with Jerry Ann, Sam's mom. She has a lupus. So I kind of, like, had a li- little bit, um, but it was, like, a safe distance. So I didn't really have to yeah. think about, because her character wasn't, like, in my mind, all, you know, like, all the time. Uh, if Sam would have had chronic pain issues, and yeah, that, that, that would have been, really difficult for me to write. And it was already difficult to write that went, that happened to her. Um, like she didn't need all of that too. <laughs> yeah. Sam's been through enough, man. She's been through <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. It's really difficult to like to write about it in a way that like, I think what I keep running up into is it's like, you want to write about it in a way that somebody who doesn't have chronic pain can understand and like empathize with this experience. Yes. But 
you don't want to like over explain or make the character completely about that. Like you right. I had trouble finding the line, but I remember I wrote, I sent some sample chapters uh, for this book a while back to my agent and there was like a whole section where the character kind of didn't mention her her pain and she's like doing something in a professional capacity she's a doctor and the mm. my agent was like well could you put in some like mentions of her you know pain in this point and I was like no because if you have pain like this like this is my experience at least and you're trying to like do a job or focus on something you will like just push it to the back of your mm-hmm. mind because if you start thinking about the pain it'll just like take over so you yes. have to suppress it completely for that time and then you might pay for that later <laughs> and right certainly will but in that moment it's authentic for her to be like I'm not going to think about this right now I'm not going to feel this right now and to kind of like just be in your head and not in your body if that makes sense yes yes exactly and that and and that's kind of you know that's kind of what I wrote about in the the essay just um with uh you know people who experience chronic pain and if you happen to uh be into BDSM like how does that work out and and that and that so I was trying to explain, which is really difficult to do to people who have not experienced that as well. Like people who don't experience chronic pain, and then people who don't enjoy pain like that, uh, mm-hmm. or enjoy enjoy um, you know pleasurable pain. So it's kind of oh gosh, you had suggested a book to me, and I read it. Um, that's coming out in September. Oh, it's, Hurt um, So Good by Hurt Lee so Cowart. I've been ho- trying yes. to figure out a way to bring that up, so let's talk about it. Yes, yes. Okay, so so the book, like, it's, it's a nonfiction book, and she's, she's really talking about um, not only her own experiences as a masochist, but, like, how people uh, find pleasure through pain in other ways. Like, mm-hmm. I mean... Th- ballerinas, people who love taking like ice baths and uh, marathon runners, which I, I will never understand marathon runners. That I, chapter never. Was, I was like, how is it physically possible for these people? Because she was um, covering it was like an ultra marathon where they just yes. ran for like days. I'm like, that doesn't sound. That's not fun. That How is that fun? <laughs> but, uh, you know, then again, people look at me and think, how is getting flogged by these heavy leather floggers fun or a crop or a cane? Like, and it's all about like getting for me anyway, uh, trying to get to a different pain level that is outside of my body. So I can focus on this pain, not the pain that's in my body. And then eventually hope, hopefully anyway, you get to that subspace, which is that, um, the, the place that all masochists want to go <laughs> where mm-hmm. you don't, where you're really not thinking of anything and that, yeah. and that's addictive. That's, you know, when you have chronic pain, that being out of your body, whatever way, whether you're, you're taking, you know, I don't take, um, uh, narcotic pain medications cause it's, yeah, I I've been down that road and no more, <laughs> but you know, you pop an edible and it's, and it's just uh-huh. like, a you know, it's kind of gives you a similar experience. You can kind of step away from feeling your body completely. And I, I don't know how people do it if, if they don't have something that can help them get out of their bodies or out of that mind space. Um, when you experience chronic pain, cause it's, it, it's a very lonely place. It is. And like with sex, especially it's Mm. like, 
you just I, I mean my experience is when you're having sex like the whole time you're thinking like oh I don't want to hurt myself so I can't like fully like lose myself in this yeah. I have to make sure my body is like positioned in a way that it's not going to be painful or I have to like there's just this constant like mental yes. like you're kind of weighing all of your like your like, options you just, like, like huh. tomorrow and it's not sexy like thinking that way is not sexy no. like, you can't just give yourself over to the passion so yeah having chronic pain is exhausting and it's hard to it also is just like after a while it's just so normal it's like that thing like you know mm. the fish doesn't know what water is because it's just in it all the time like <laughs> yes. that's how I feel it's hard yeah. to explain to other people yeah and when your body is constantly betraying you like that it does make it difficult with sex because what does sex need like you need trust mm-hmm. and not just like in your partner but you kind of have to, and you have to trust yourself to be able to to let yourself get to that space where you can enjoy it and I'm you know, I'm not going to lie, like BDSM, uh, like pain, pleasurable pain does not always work for me to, to, yeah. to get to that place. But I mean, it's, it, whenever it does happen, it's just, it's, it's a nice surprise. Yeah. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say surprise. It's work. It's work to get there, but I try not to make it work. So then I won't enjoy it as much. <laughs> It is just, it's like different. I, I mean, I have, so I have fibromyalgia, I guess. I don't mm. know. I feel like they call everything fibromyalgia and they don't even know what the fuck it is, but that's what I've been diagnosed <laughs> yeah. with. And I just have kind of all over pain that changes a lot from day to day, depending on my activity level and the weather and like what, I don't know, hormones, who knows. And there are things that sexually or otherwise will feel great one day. And then the next day it's awful mm. and I don't want to be touched there ever. Like it just, so it's like, you have to communicate a lot with your with your partner like even more so like there's nothing that's like a sure thing that they can always do that you'll you'll enjoy you have to really use your words and that can be (laughs) yes and it's hard it's I mean it's not always an easy thing because because then you also I don't know if you feel this way but the more I talk I am not a talker during sex I am not a talker during sex like I am not one of those me either. No, I mean occasionally you know I'll throw out something but it always it it never feels natural um, so like to, to like stop and have a, you know, talk about yeah. it, like you it's really, but, but you have to, and it's, <laughs> and you know, we, you just kind of find ways to get through it as fast as possible. Or we, we try, like, we're, we're pretty good. Um, I mean, my, my husband's like so good about reading my body anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you, you have to, whenever you're topping someone, you have to know, like, even if your partner is, if they're not capable of talking uh you know you have to you have to make sure that they are always safe and that there's always some line of communication and consent that's going on and yes even with your married partner (laughs) yeah Yeah. I mean because you know those things happen sometimes I I'm not I have not been in a position to to say something and we have to kind of like show them a signal because I can't just get a word out but yeah it's, it's hard it's it's hard to you don't want to stop the momentum when you're, you're having sex and like, you don't want to run the moment, but shit happens. And sometimes you just, you, you have to, if you want it to be pleasurable, because I mean, I don't want to just suffer through something. Right. That's not fair to like, you no, or your partner. No. you have to speak yeah. up and yeah, I was just reading I'm in the middle of reading this book that I think it came out last week actually called Unwell Women by Eleanor Cleghorn. Have you heard of this mm. one? I've heard of it. I, I, I need to add that. I thought that I need to add that to my list. <laughs> it's really good. It's like a very comprehensive history of like 
women and illness and kind of these like invisible illnesses through history. Um, and she has this phrase that she uses several times in the book that I just like every time I see it, I'm like underlining and starring because it's so true that um, women have never been respected as reliable narrators of our own bodies. Uh, like we're considered right. Cause we always talk yes. about unreliable narrators in crime fiction and fiction in general. And that is how it is. If you have one of these invisible illnesses it's like people have to take your word for what you're feeling and if they mm. if they don't it's really hard like you can't prove it to them on a lab test or like with the like they can't see it they can't so they just have to take your word for it and it's like do we trust women to narrate their own experiences in that way and we fucking should yes. but a lot of people don't <laughs> yeah i 100 like that that pisses me off too whenever like you know actually i've had more women who have questioned uh, like b- before I had my diagnosis, I don't know, as soon as you have a diagnosis, the people are just like, usually, oh, okay, now you have a diagnosis. So I guess it's real. Um, <laughs> but I, I had more women than men question, like, um, I will say like past bosses and that, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. like past, past people who uh, were like, well, do you really need to be off work? It can't be that bad. I'm like, yeah. listen, I cannot get out of fucking bed. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's why teleworking is really great for me right now because I like literally can just fall out of bed and get logged on. But yeah, like you, I don't think they present it in the media either. Like you don't see it, and I, I don't anyway. I can't really think of any shows or uh, you know, there's just not just not a lot out there that shows people dealing with these invisible illnesses, and maybe it's because of that, it's difficult to show that on the screen or, it is. you know, uh, but you can show it in books and mm-hmm. I have seen it. Um, I'm trying, man. <laughs> it's <laughs> hard. I, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't want, obviously you don't want it just to be that with your character, like, but it's, it's hard, it's hard not to have that, uh, when, when you're dealing with it yourself, you know, like I, I don't know. I commend you for writing about it. I'm trying. I don't know <laughs> if I will ever be able to get it uh, with with a character. Because yeah, like you said, like you, it's it's you don't want every single scene and every aspect of your character to be focused on that. But like, it's there. It's always there. It's mm-hmm. the gift that keeps giving. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. It's been really on my mind lately because I'm seeing this new doctor who's a chronic pain specialist and has been actually helping. But it still just mm-hmm. blows my mind every time I have an appointment with her because, like you know, I mean, when you have these symptoms, like I've been to a bunch of doctors where it's like you don't even want to tell them all your symptoms yes. because, like, once you start listing everything, they're just gonna be like, you "Okay, feel insane. This bitch you're is like, like <laughs> yeah, okay, hypochondria, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. like, oh, you've spent too much time on WebMD." Um, but she like really wanted to know every detail and like listened. And like, when I bring up symptoms to her, she, like, I have had this, uh, like one of my symptoms is I've had this pain on my right, the right side of my face and like my jaw and everything for years. And I had mentioned it to another doctor and she was like, maybe you have an infection and in your jaw. So here's some antibiotics. Like, you know, they don't know what the fuck, what the fuck to do. And this new doctor was like, well, you should have an MRI of that. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, I mean, it may be nothing, but like, let's get an MRI and find out. 
Yeah. And it just took me aback. I was like, oh yeah, let's, let's have a test and get like scientific data. And I'm so privileged to have insurance that would pay for that. But I just yeah. like to have someone take you seriously and, and believe you and like offer options for, for diagnosis and treatment, it still blows my mind. And I'm, you know, I'm 37 and I've had this pain since I was a teenager. Uh, <laughs> so. yes. I, and I'm so, and I'm actually really, I'm, I'm glad that that doctor was like, oh, maybe it's dental pain. Cause that's, at least that's better than like, I came from, I was with the prim, my primary care doctor for quite a long time. And, and he was, you know, he was a good doctor, but he definitely like the more I started coming in, cause I used to be a like once a year wellness exam person. Mm-hmm. And then when I started having this pain, that was just like, and the swelling, like I just noticed it every day and, and it just started happening more and more. And then it was just a daily thing where my fingers would just be swollen. Like, like I, I didn't recognize my hands. I didn't recognize my feet. And then it started getting worse and going up to my wrist and, uh, and then the fatigue, the fatigue was the worst, like yeah. with RA, that's a huge, huge thing. And I have always been a person who, you know, I get up and like, I'm not a morning person, but like, once I get going, like I, I can go forever, like into the night and I, I just couldn't like I, everything just, I, I felt like I was hitting a wall with, yeah. with the fatigue and this doctor, uh, he's, First off, like I ha- I was having these other symptoms and it's like, well, maybe, it, maybe you're just stressed. Maybe it, you know, you're having some anxiety. Um, <laughs> little lady. <laughs> yeah. Little lady. And then at one point I did, I, I like was having an, a, a kind of an unrelated issue and I had to go to the ER. Like I was taken to the ER by IMSA and they, they like didn't, the, the doctor didn't even touch me didn't even touch me and said, yeah, you're probably just having a panic attack. I'm like, bitch. So, <laughs> and then they do, my doctor does blood work and then found that I was severely low, like I was severely anemic and severely low on vitamin D. Like both of those things can, like I, cause I was ha- like, my, my mind was just wigging out and that can happen with just that alone. So got that back up. And then with all the, the joint stuff, like he still just didn't, he didn't do any testing. It was just nothing. And then I, I, I said, you know, the next doctor I'm seeing is, is a woman. And <laughs> so I switched. experiences with women too. I mean, I had this female doctor who was really mm. rude to me. Like I kind of tried to bring up some research that I'd done and she basically treated me like I was, you know, making, I wanted to be tested for vitamin deficiencies. And she was like, you're fine. And I'm like, um, <laughs> yeah. Considering that most people aren't, especially with like vitamin D and iron, that's, those are two big things that people are usually low on. Yeah. She was so dismissive. And then she, I remember her telling me once she was like, you just need to work out more. And I'm like, uh, it hurts if I work out and I like hurt myself really easily. And luckily since then I've found, um, I do private Pilates lessons with an instructor who, um, is very detail oriented and like checks every single pose to make sure I'm not going to hurt myself and like watches me. But every other kind of exercise I'd done, I would end up pulling a muscle and then I like couldn't move for a few Mm -hmm. days. And she's like, you just need to work out more. Just like go to the gym and like work out really hard. And I'm like, that's not, no, mm -mm." (laughs) no, (laughs) not with a woman. So some women are assholes too. (laughs) They are. They definitely are. I think the biggest thing, whenever you have a chronic condition is just finding a doctor who will communicate well with you. 
I just love that there are more conversations around it. Um, and I think that for me, that, that helps. It, it helps hearing other people's experiences with it and just not feeling so alone in it. Cause yeah, like I said, like it's a, it's a, it's a low, it can be very isolating, especially whenever you have to, um, you know, bail out on certain things like that. I'm so glad that most of the events that are coming up are virtual <laughs> because yes, it's such a relief. It's yeah. Like the thought of going from place to place to place that, that, that was really daunting for, for me. That was a daunting thought. Like it's already difficult with other things, getting other things done. Um, but that, that was a relief to me that most things are going to be virtual still. Oh, the pandemic, you know, I, I think if anything, we've learned over the, the last year that a lot of like, it, it's nice having a lot of these virtual events because I get to see people that I wouldn't normally get to see and go, you know, virtually go to these events. And yeah. Well, I'm very excited that, um, so by the time this airs, this yes. event will already have taken place, but it should be recorded and on the Facebook page of the bookstore. So we'll, we'll, link to it but Hallie and I are doing your launch event with you virtually Yay. which we could never have done in person like Hallie's no. in LA and I'm in Chicago and you're in Oklahoma like it would have been so difficult but we can all just hop on the internet and through the magic of technology yeah. talk to each other yeah yeah that's gonna be at best of books um which is a local bookstore here in Oklahoma and Edmond and uh yeah I'm really excited uh, about that <laughs> I have no idea how any of these virtual events are going. I'm like, are we supposed to have like set things to talk about? I guess we'll just, nah. we'll just chat. We'll just have fun. Like, we'll just chat. I could talk to you forever. So, but <laughs> we probably should wrap too. up. <laughs> yes. Save something for the launch event. Yes. Uh, recording this before that. Um, so do you want to tell us maybe what you're working on now, if you can share and then where we can find you on the internet? Okay. Um, yeah, I'm working on, uh, I, I'll just say, I'll just, it's, it's, it's a story that's dealing with really intense sisters who um, experience uh, some crazy shit and they go on two different paths. And I always find that interesting when you have like, t you know, two, uh, like in real life, you know, I've, I had that experience within my own family where, you know, something happens and just one person goes down one a completely different path from another person. But why, you know, like, mm -hmm. and <laughs> uh, because some people are really good about putting blinders on, I guess. But, um, but yeah, so it's like these two intense sisters. Um, it, it, I'll, I'm just going to kind of give the abbreviated version, uh, a dead father, <laughs> some really, really, really dark family secrets and a childhood friend who knows way too much about it. Mm. Um, and yeah, so it's, and it's, it's really, I, I keep saying like, I don't want to write something that's going to be really, that's going to be personal, but I don't know, I guess this is what I write. <laughs> so yeah, that's just your brain. So now. yeah, it's just my brain. <laughs> so yes, it is. It's difficult because there's some, some, um, parts of the book that are very, uh, that are very personal, like from a family aspect. So I'm, I'm working on that. I'm hoping, oh, I hope that I like, I need to just pretend that it's, that I'm like doing nano rye month and just like, just kick it out, just kick the rest of it out in a month. Um, I think it's what I'm gonna have to do. It's just hard with all the, the book stuff and, yeah, uh, you know, pandemic stuff and having two kids at home. 
uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a little tricky finding that, that time to, to, cause I, I'm, I, I write in spurts, like long bursts of, so if I have like several hours then I, I will get quite a bit done and you know, like I work pretty fast. So you do. yeah, during pitch wars, you were, you were lightning fast. I, was impressed. So I need to tap into that energy. Cause I'm like, Hey, if anything pitch wars taught me, I can do it. I just have to do it. So I hope I have something to my agent by the summer, by the, and the summer's very long. So it just started. You're fine. It just but started. Yeah, enjoy your debut experience. And it's hard to write during all the debut whirlwind. It's yeah. just like, and you don't want to miss it. I mean, this, you only debut once. So yes, this is a I'm excited to appreciate. Um, awesome. Well, can you tell us where we can find you on the internet? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I'm uh, on Twitter. I'm at Heather L. Weeby. And, um, I'm not on Instagram, but we talked about like, I, I should get on Instagram maybe sometime. <laughs> and then of course I'm on, I'm on Facebook. I've got my, my author page, which, uh, I, you know, if you just Google Heather Levy, you'll find it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I need, I need to be better about the social media. You are like the best at the social, at all social media things. I think, Thank I know you, you may not feel like you are, but you are. <laughs> So. I uh, have been like taking a little break from Instagram, but maybe by the time this airs, I'll be back on it because I can't stay away. I still like check the comments and everything. And yeah, it's addictive. You're, you're just kind of um, yeah. voyeuristic right now. <laughs> and I got to get on there to post about your book. So there you Yay. go. <laughs> well, it was, it was great. I'm, I'm excited and I can't wait for the watch of it with you guys. I'm so excited too. And thank you for coming on the show. It's so great thank to talk you. to you. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. That's it for this episode of Unlikable Female Characters. Don't forget to subscribe, and you can also follow us on Twitter at UnlikableFCPod for updates, book recommendations, and angry feminist rants. Our website is unlikablefemalecharacters.com, and we're also on Instagram at unlikablefemalecharacters. Thanks for listening.